and welcome to Hugenhoff Podcast, episode 92. Uh, good news, I have Lore today. Hey, how's it going? Hey, I'm here. I guess that's better than not. <laughs> yes. So, um, I think I mentioned this in the last time. Maybe I didn't. Uh, last time I recorded, uh, the audio ended up going to a different speaker than it's supposed to, and I actually lost the recording. And then I rage quit recording things and just did like the quick ones on my own for a couple months uh, so i i guess i've gotten over that and now we're back to having steve on which is super cool uh before we get into it though i wanted to say that i just finished a really good book and i thought i would give a recommendation and it's a year in poems which steve wrote i finally finished it it was really good i liked it i said that well, before but now i finished it <laughs> you said you like some of them as, yeah. as you've read them over the years, because this thing's been out for, oh, I don't know, since 2014, 15? Yeah. It's the, way, so, the way I read it is I just, because they're poems, which is nice, because you don't have to read all at once or anything. It's not like a cohesive story, obviously. So I just read them here and there, and uh, I just finished it today. Well, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. It was uh, It was interesting writing them, because I'm... I've never been into poetry, but really before uh, I'd read a certain book that really inspired me to start doing it. Yeah. I liked your little like ending author note talking about kind of the process of writing them. Anyway, no one knows what I'm talking about, but you can for the low, low price of whatever Amazon's selling it for. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> Why don't you take this opportunity to mention your other books as well, though? Oh, all right. Uh, you know, Nice segue. Okay. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, uh, You Must Be Drunk is my latest book. It, 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 it takes elements of Norse mythology, and it's just kind of a fun tale that I wrote with my wife. And it, it started as a little ludicrous story about a drunk wandering around, and it became something a bit more than that. So go on to Amazon and find You Must Be Drunk by Stephen Oaks and Samantha Oaks, and I hope you enjoy it. Yes. Um, and you've got a bunch of other stuff there, a bunch of different books. So if you just want to look at his entire catalog and get the ones that you don't already have, you can do that. I'm going to leave show links in the show notes. Um, I also have books. I also have a book, and it's also at Amazon. There's links in the show notes. And... Um, think that's that for that but i did want to remind everybody if you want to check out my website you can do that at hugenhoff.org that's h-u-g-i-n-h-o-f.org and there you can subscribe for the podcast or send us email and that is at hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com okay so without further ado we are going to jump into this story that we've been reading which is of <laughs> course oh, i forgot its name the gilfaginning of um, yes the gilfaginning and we are at where are we uh it XLV. looks like it's v yeah 45, 45 probably yeah yeah uh, yeah so we're at about 45 this is all from sacred text and the reason we are using that trans there's a lot of translations of this the reason we're using that translation is it's free which means everybody listening can just go look it up and read along with us like i have a couple different translations of the gelfagenning that i've read over the years it's been a while um but I don't really want to do that because then I have to be like, okay, everybody go spend money on a book so that you can follow along. And this way it's 
free. So there's no yeah, barrier instead, to entry. Instead, spend money on our books that we wrote. <laughs> exactly. Oh, okay, but in, in my defense, you don't have to buy those books to follow True. along with the True. podcast. Though maybe as a marketing scheme, we should do that. <gasps> Yeah, no. Oh, I no, I, I'm terrible at marketing. I don't like intruding into people's lives. It's it's not what I do. By the way, uh, the books are doing as well as they are. Yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, maybe not our strong point. I don't even have a donate button on my website. It's just, it, I don't know. It what would you use rude. it for? Well, I don't know. That's why I don't have a donate button on my website. <laughs> I mean, I, I would suggest, you know, maybe some audio equipment and so we don't have to use what we're using and maybe it would be better well yeah i guess i could do that um i could pay for my hosting i mean i could True. make things up but i just uh, it's not gonna happen i just okay that's yeah i feel i feel obligated i kind of like not feeling obligated honestly yeah but if you're obligated that means stuff gets done and then maybe True. you would have called me back after we lost everything and re-recorded it right away because it wouldn't made us mad at all <laughs> I know. Uh, well, I mean, I probably would have, but uh, yeah, I uh, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's there's reasons to feel obligated, but yeah, this I don't want this one to be that. So, so yeah, probably not going to happen. But let's go ahead and read whatever I said. Forty-five. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Thereupon he left his goats behind and began his journey eastwards towards Jotunheim and clear to the sea, and then he went out over the sea, the deep one. But when he came to land, he went up, and Loki and Thalfi and Roskva with him. Then when they had walked a little while, there stood before them a great forest. They walked all that day till dark. Thalfi was swiftest foot of all men. He bore Thor's bag. But there is nothing good for food. As soon as it had become dark, they sought themselves shelter for the night, and found before them a certain hall. Very great. There was a door in the end, of equal width with the hall, wherein they took up quarters for the night. But about midnight there came a great earthquake. The earth rocked under them exceedingly. And the house trembled. Then Thor rose up and called to his companions, and they explored farther, and found in the middle of the hall a side chamber on the right hand, and they went in. Alright, so just a little background, because I don't remember exactly. It's been a while since we've read this. This is um, the story about Utgard Loki, which a lot of people may already be familiar with, where Thor travels to the hall of this giant, and there's he's kind of tricked by magic. We'll get into all of that later. Um, this is a story that is a retelling of a story that's like everybody knows and is very popular. So just mentioning that, uh, and this is just kind of starting it up. Did you have anything to add? Uh, sure. <laughs> I, this is the story that I generally use for uh, Thor bloats, though. There's several others, but I, I did it this last time, so yeah. There, there's that. I think that this is one of those like classic Thor stories where you get to see Thor being um, strong. He doesn't exactly he doesn't lose, but he doesn't exactly win in it. So it's sort of not usual for that. But this is just this is just a really good classic solid. Excuse me. Good classic solid story that I like. Um, and I realized that I had not read the entire thing, so I guess I'll continue. 
Thor sat down in the doorway, but the others were further in from him and they were afraid. But Thor gripped his hammer shaft and thought to defend himself. Then they heard a great humming sound and a crashing. But when it drew near them, then Thor went out and saw a man lying a little way from him in the wood. And that man was not small. He slept and snored mightily. Then Thor thought he could perceive what kind of noise it was which they had heard during the night. He girded himself with his belt of strength, and, and his divine powers waxed. And on the instant the man awoke and rose up swiftly, and then, it is said, the first time Thor's heart failed him to strike him with the hammer. He asked him his name, and the man called himself Skrimmer. But I have no need, he said, to ask thee for thy name. I know that thou art as a Thor. But what, hast thou dragged away my glove? Then Skimir stretched out his hand and took up the glove, and at once Thor saw that it was that which he had taken for a hall during the night, and as for the side chamber, it was the thumb of the glove. Skirmer asked whether Thor would have his company, and Thor assented to this. Then Skirmer took and unloosened his provision wallet and made ready to eat his morning meal, and Thor and his fellows in another place. Skirmer then proposed to them to lay their supply of food together, and Thor assented. Then Skirmer bound all the food in one bag and laid it on his own back. He went before during the day and stepped with very great strides. But late in the evening, Skirmer found them night quarters under a certain great oak. Then Skirmer said to Thor that he would lay him down to sleep, and do ye take the provision bag and make ready for your supper. All right, so this is the start of the story where they find what they think is a great hall, and it's actually this giant's glove. So, you know, just saying how big he is. And we learn later that um, this is all magic and illusion. But again, like I said, we'll get there. Everyone's probably familiar with this story. Thereupon, Scrimmer slept and snored hard, and Thor took the provision bag and set about to unloosen it. But such things must be told as will seem incredible he got no knot loosened and no thong in stirred so as to be looser than before when he saw that his work might not avail then he became angered gripped the hammer mjolnir in both hands and strode with great strides to that place where skrimmer lay and smote him in the head Skrimmer awoke and asked whether a leaf had fallen upon his head or whether they had eaten and were ready for bed Thor replied that they were just about to go to sleep, and they went under another oak. It must be told thee that there was then no fearless sleeping. At midnight, Thor heard how Skrimmer snored and slept fast, so that it thundered in the woods. Then he stood up and went to him, shook his hammer eagerly and hard, and smote down upon the middle of his crown. He saw that the face of the hammer sank deep into his head, and at that moment Skrimmer awoke and said, What is it now? Did some acorn fall on my head? Or was it the news with thee, Thor? But Thor went back speedily, and replied that he was then but new awakened, said that it was then midnight, and there was yet time to sleep. Thor meditated that if he could get to strike him a third blow, never should the giant see himself again. He lay now and watched whether Skrimmer were sleeping soundly yet. A little before day, when he perceived that Skrimmer must have fallen asleep, he stood up at once and rushed over to him, brandishing his hammer with all his strength, and smote upon that one of his temples 
which was turned up, but Scrimmer sat up and stroked his cheek and said, Some bird must be sitting in the tree above me, I imagine. When I awoke, that some dirt from the twigs fell upon my head. Art thou awake, Thor? It will be time to arise and close us. But now ye have no long journey forward to the castle called Utgard. I have heard how ye have whispered among yourselves that I am no little man in stature. But ye shall see taller men, if ye come into Utgard. Now will I give you wholesome advice. Do not conduct, your, do not conduct yourselves boastfully, for the henchman of Utgard Loki will not well endure big words from such swaddling babes. But if not so, then turn back, and I think it were better for you to do that. But if you but if you will go forward, then turn to the east. As for me, I hold my way north to these hills, which ye may how see. Scrimmer took the provision bag and cast it on his back and turned from them across the forest, and it is not recorded that the A's here bade him Godspeed. Which would be a funny thing. You just say, me speed! Yeah, I know. Um, <coughs> probably a translation thing there. <laughs> um, uh, so, to me, I'm listening to this and it comes to my mind. Uh, giants, in our lexicon, means big, tall person, which may be a mistranslation originally mm-hmm. from this uh, from Norse mythology. But uh, in this story, maybe that's why we have the idea that they are indeed giants as opposed to just different tribes. Oh, it's interesting. Yeah, that that's something good to bring up because giant, we have the idea that they're like literally bigger than everybody else, which is not necessarily the case because there's a lot of times when Thor will fight different giants and it it doesn't seem that they're bigger than him. You know, he'll wrestle them and everything else. So, so yeah, that's true. This, I, I guess we don't know for sure, but I just feel like this is a very important story story um maybe that's just because everybody that i know has been aware of it and has liked it it just seems like a good story that was probably known by most people so that could be where we get the idea that giants are physically big that's interesting um so yeah thor tried to hit him three times in the head and you know he made light of it and said that it must be an acorn falling or a piece of dirt or something like that. that's basically what happened there um, and I'll just wait until the end when the story explains it to go into the explanation of what really happened. I will let you go next, though. <coughs> Very well. Uh, Thor turned forward on his way and his fellows and went onward till midday. Then they saw a castle standing in a certain place and set their necks down on their backs before they could see up over it. <laughs> That's Staring an interesting way. Sky. Yeah, yeah. All right, it's very tall. They went to the cattle, really, and there was a grating in front of the castle gate, and it was closed. Thor went up to the grating and did not succeed in opening it. But when they struggled to make their way in, they crept between the bars and came in that way. They saw a great hall and went thither. The door was open, and then they went in, and saw there many men on two benches, and most of them were big enough, period. (laughs) Thereupon they came before the king, Utgard Loki, and saluted him. But he looked at them in his own good time, and smiled scornfully over his teeth, and said, It is late to ask tidings of a long journey, or is it otherwise than I think, that this toddler is 
Oku Thor, yet thou mayest be greater than thou appear. What manner of accomplishments are those which thou and thy fellows think to be ready for? No one shall be here with us who knows not some kind of craft or cunning surpassing most men. <clears throat> then spoke the one who came last, who was called Loki. I know such a trick which I am ready to try, that there is no one within here who shall eat his food more quick than I. The Nootgard Loki answered, That is a feat, if thou can accomplish it. And this feat shall accordingly be put to the proof. He called to the farther end of the bench, and he was who was called Logi should come forth to the floor and try his prowess against Loki. Then a trough was taken and borne in upon the hall floor and filled with flesh. Ew. Loki sat down at the one end and Logi at the other, and each ate as fast as he could, and they met in the middle of the trough. By that time, Loki had eaten all the meat from the bones, but Logi likewise has eaten all the meat and the bones with it, and the trough too, and now it seems to all as if Loki had lost the game. <laughs> um, real quick here, I wanted to point out that in that stanza earlier, the giant Utgard Loki um, was very rude, and that's significant because, like, being... Uh, polite's not the right word, but being, like, hospitable to strangers and stuff was a really big deal in, like, Norse culture in general. I mean, even the giants would be yes, hospitable would. to guests. They would. So him breaking that social protocol is a pretty big deal, and it sort of means that he has, like, zero respect for these people that came in, because otherwise they would not break the protocol. And also, it's just bad form. Bad form, old chap. Bad form. Ah, yes. <laughs> but continue. <laughs> then Utgard Loki asked what yonder young man could play at, and I can never say this person's name. Thrjalfi answered that he would undertake a race, or to run a race, and with whoever Utgard Loki would bring up. The Utgard Loki said that was a good accomplishment, and that there was great likelihood that he must be well endowed with fleetness if he were to perform that feat. Yet he would speedily see to it that the matter should be tested. Then Utgard Loki arose and went out, and there was a good course to run on over the level plain. Then Utgard Loki called to him a certain lad, who was named Hugi, and bade him run a match against Thrjalfi. Then they held the first heat, and Hugi was so much ahead that he turned back to meet Thrjolfi at the end of the course. Then said Utgard Loki, Thou wilt need to lay thyself forward more, Thrjolfi, if thou art to win the game, but it is none the less true that never have any man come hither who seemed to me fleeter of foot than this. Then they began another heat, and when Hugi had reached the course end and was turning back, there was still a long bolt shot to Thrjolfi. Then spake Utgard Loki, Thrjolfi appears to me to run this course well, but I do not believe of him now that he will win the game, but it will be made manifest presently when they run the third heat. Then they began the heat, but when Hugi had come to the end of the course and turned back, Thrjolfi had not yet reached mid-course. Then all said that the game had been proven. Next, Utgard Loki asked, Wow. <clears throat> Next, Utgard Loki asked Thor what feat there was, or there were, which he might desire to show before them. Such great tales as men have made of his mighty works. Then Thor answered that he would most willingly undertake to contend with any in drinking. 
Ukard Loki said that might well be. He went into the hall and called his serving boy and bade him bring the Skonorn, which the henchmen were wont to drink of. Straight away, the serving lad came forth with the horn and put it into Thor's hand. Then said Utgard Loki, It is held that this horn is well drained if it is drunk off in one drink, but some drink it off in two. But no one is so poor a man that drinking that it fails to drain off in three. Thor looked upon the horn, and it did not seem to be big to him, and yet it was somewhat long. Still, he was very thirsty. He took a long, or he took a drink and swallowed enormously, and thought that he should not need to bend offer, bend oftener to the horn. But when his breath failed, he raised his head from the horn and looked to see how it had gone with the drinking. It seemed to him that there was very little space by which the drink was lower now in the horn than before. Then said Utgard Loki, "It is well drunk and not too much." I should not have believed if it had been told me that Azathor could not drink a greater draught. But I know that thou will wish to drink it off in another draught. Thor answered nothing. He set the horn to his mouth, thinking now that he should drink a greater drink, and struggled with the draught until his breath gave out, and yet he saw that the tip of the horn would not come up so much as he liked. When he took the horn from his mouth and looked into it, it seemed to him then as if it had decreased less than the former time. But now there was clearly apparent lowering up in the horn. Then said Ugard Loki, How now, Thor? Thou wilt not shrink from one more drink, then may he well for thee. If thou now drink the third draught from the horn, it seems to me as if this must be esteemed the greatest. But thou canst not be called so great a man here amongst us as the Aesir call thee if thou not give a better account of thyself in the other games then it, it seems to me that me may come of this wow that's some complex language there yeah then Thor became angry set the horn to his mouth and drank with all his might and struggled with the drink as much as he could and when he looked into the horn at least some space had been made <laughs> then he gave up the horn and would not drink any more um, we'll <clears throat> pause here for a second. Uh, I, this whole thing seems a little weird, but I, I feel like back in the day, they would have these weird, like, I, I, I shouldn't call them weird because we still have them today. It's just that I don't participate in them. You mean sports? Yes. <laughs> and contests of strength, which, oh, right, that's what sports ball is. Um, you you have these things where you get together with friends, or, or even with not friends, with strangers, and you uh, compete with one another. You know, a, a drinking competition, races, eating Darts. contests. We still Ooh. have eating contests, and I don't understand I just don't understand eating contests. They're even here, I do. so I'm I can't hungry. say they're bad, but <laughs> but they're so gross. Uh, it makes a mess. You're you're uh, you're supposed to eat slowly, not fastly. Mostly, it makes a mess. Your hands get greasy. Oh, wear gloves. Uh, that's a good idea. Um, uh, but anyway, I don't know if this, if everybody else was reading this and they're like, oh yeah, they're like playing games and doing things like people still do, or people are like, whoa, this is weird, who would ever do such a thing? But if you're in the this is weird, who would ever do such a thing? It was very much something that people would do back then. And I guess if you think about it, people do actually still do things today. You know, you might have a 
get together of some sort or go to a place and just get to know people by playing games. I don't understand it so well myself, but it is a thing that happens in case anybody else is confused as to why they're doing this in the first place. Because I was the first time. I was like, why? This is weird. Why are they doing this? Until I thought about it. I was like, no, actual humans do this too. It's just that I don't do this. Um, Did you just proclaim yourself not a human? Good job. Uh, that's not... <laughs> I guess that's not true. Um, <laughs> but another thing I wanted to point out is with these things, there is supposed to be some amount of like friendly banter and encouraging the people to play and everything else. But again, the giants here are being, and Utgard Loki are being extremely rude. It's not good form to sit around insulting your guests. So, um, the giants aren't wrong because they're rude, but it's also, uh, it's often like a, oh, what would you say? A hint that, you know, you always make the villains be rude so uh, that's just something to notice here that they are being extremely rude in this case which again is not good form it's not something that you should do anyway you can continue all right then said utgard loki now it is evident that thy prowess is not so great as we thought it to be but wilt thou try thy hand at more games it may readily be seen that thou gettest no advantage here uh thor thor answered we make trial of yet another game but it would have seemed wonderful to me when i was at home with the azir if such drinks had been called so little but what game will ye now offer me then said utgard loki young lads here are wont to do this sorry which is thought of small consequence lift my cat up from the earth but I should not have been able to speak of such a thing to Azathor if I had not seen that thou hast far less in thee than I had thought. Thereupon there leaped forth on the hall floor a gray cat, and a very big one. And Thor went to it, and took it with his hand down under the middle of its belly and lifted up. But the cat bent into an arch just as Thor stretched his hand, up his hands, and when Thor reached up as high as he could... At the very utmost, then the cat lifted up one foot, and Thor got this game no further advanced. Then said Utgard Loki, This game went even as I had foreseen. The cat is very great, whereas Thor is low and little beside the huge men who are here with us. Then said Thor, Little as you call me, let anyone come up now and wrestle with me. Now I am angry. Then Utgard Loki answered, looking about him on the benches, and spake, I see no such man here within who would not hold it a disgrace to wrestle with thee. And yet he said, Let us see first. Let the old woman, my nurse, be called hither, Ellie, and let Thor wrestle with her if he will. She has thrown such men as have seemed to be no less strong than Thor. Straight away there came into the hall an old woman, stricken in years, then Utgard Loki said that she should grapple with Azathor. There is no need to make a long matter out of it. That struggle went in such wise that the harder Thor strove in gripping, the faster she stood. Then the old woman essayed a hold, and then Thor became totty on his feet, and their tuggings were very hard. Yet it was not long before Thor fell to his knee on one foot. Then Utgard Loki went up and bade them cease the wrestling saying that Thor should not need to challenge more men of his bodyguard to wrestling. 
By then it had passed towards night. Utgard Loki showed Thor and his companions to a seat, and they tarried there the night long in good cheer. Alright, so even though they lost a lot of those contests, and even though the giants in this case have broken a lot of the like traveler guest uh, protocols, they're still not going to be so rude that they kick them out. They're still going to let them stay. And that was a really big thing. Like, if travelers come, you let them stay. Um, anyway, uh, do we have anything to add before we get to like the conclusion? I don't believe so, because the oh, conclusion okay. takes up uh, what was going on, actually. I know. So, we held that... I think last time we did this, we, like... Um, talked about the conclusion before we got there because I thought it'd be nice because you know you had more detail but then I was like I actually didn't like doing that so in some ways it's good that we lost that episode (laughs) Uh, but if we lose it again this this story's just not getting released ever (laughs) Um, okay but but at morning as soon as it dawned Thor and his companions arose clothed themselves and were ready to go away then came there Utgard Loki and caused a table to be set for them. There is no lack of good cheer, meat, and drink. So soon as they had eaten, he went out from the castle with them. And at parting, Utgard Loki spoke to Thor and asked how he thought his journey had ended, or whether he had, or whether he had met any man mightier than himself. Thor answered that he could not say that he had got much shame in their dealings together. Wait. Thor answered that he could not say that he had not got much shame in their dealings together. But yes, I know that ye will call me a man of little might, and I am ill-content with that. Then said Utgard Loki, Now I will tell ye thee the truth, now that thou art come out of the castle. And if I live, and I am able to prevail, then thou shalt never again come into it. And this I know by my troth that thou should never have come into it if I had known before that thou hadst so much strength in thee, and that thou shouldst so nearly have had us in great peril. But I made ready against thee eye illusions, and I came upon you the first time in the wood, and when thou wouldst would have unloosed a provision bag, I had bound it with iron, and thou did not find where to undo it. Okay, so that's the first one. When they had the provision bag that he couldn't undo, it's because he had uh, bound it with iron. I also liked how he calls them eye illusions, which I suppose is good, because I guess there's different kind of illusions. Mm-hmm. Sound, are... smell. Right. These are just eye illusions. Um, I've never heard it called that, so I just wanted to point that out. Um But next thou didst smite me three blows with a hammer, and the first was least, and yet was so great that it would have sufficed to slay me if it had come upon me. Where thou sawest near my hall a saddleback mountain, cut at the top into three square dales, and one of the deepest, those were the marks of thy hammer. I brought thee saddleback before the blow, and thou did not see that. So was also with the games, in which ye did contend against my henchmen. That was the first which Loki did. But he was very hungry and ate zealously. But he who was called Logi was wildfire. Um, and he burnt the trough no less swiftly than the meat. Uh, so uh, the eating contest, Logi was wildfire. Uh, 
I like that. So obviously it's going to destroy everything. But then when Thialfi ran the race with him called Hugi, and I like this one because you actually see the linguistic thing because you know you have Hugin, which is mm-hmm. one of Odin's ravens, which is thought, and this is Hugi, obviously connected, and this means thought. I just thought that was neat because it's like, hey, I have no actual training, but I actually see this one. Um, Theophy ran the race with him called Hugi. That was my thought, and it was not to be expected of Theophy that he should match swiftness with it. Moreover, when thou did drink from the horn, and it seemed to thee to go slowly, then, by my faith, that was a wonder which I should not have believed possible. The other end of the horn was out in the sea, but thou did not perceive it. But now, when thou comest to the sea, thou shalt be able to mark what a diminishing thou hast drunk in the sea. This is henceforth called ebb tides. So when he drank from the horn, the other end was in the sea, and that's where the tides come from. I just want to take a moment to say something I've said a million times, so I will keep it short. I think it is not likely that this story is to explain where the tides come from. I think it is far more likely that they are using something that we physically see in the physical world, the tides, to explain how mighty Thor is and how much he can drink. They say, look, if you try to imagine Thor and how much he can drink, imagine imagine if he drank so much that like the tides themselves, the ocean itself, would go back and forth. Because there's always this argument that these stories explain the physical world, and I think it's far more likely that they're using the physical world to explain this rather alien thing, which is all about gods and giants and spiritual world stuff. So I just want to point out that they're probably using the tides to explain how mighty Thor is in this case, and not the other way around. Um, And again he said, it seemed to me... Not less noteworthy, when thou did lift up the cat, and to tell thee true, truly, then all were afraid, who saw how thou did lift one foot clear of the earth. That cat was not as it appeared to thee. It was the Midgard serpent, which lies about all the lands, and scarcely does its length suffice to encompass the earth with its head and tail. So high did thou stretch up, thine arms, that it was then but a little way more to heaven. It was also a great marvel concerning the wrestling match. When thou did withstand so long, and didst not fall more than on one knee, wrestling with Ellie, since none such has ever been, and none shall be, if he become so old as to abide old age, that she cannot cause him to fall. So Ellie was old age. And now it is truth to tell that we must part, and it will be better on both sides that ye never come again to seek me. Another time I will defend my castle with similar wiles or with others, so that ye shall get no power over me. When Thor had heard these sayings, he clutched his hammer and brandished it aloft. But when he was about to launch it forward, then he saw Utgard Loki nowhere. Then he turned back to the castle, proposing to crush it to pieces, And he saw there a wide and fair plain, but no castle. So he turned back and went his way till he was come back into Thrudvanger. But it is a true tale... Eh, I lost my trace. But it, (laughs) it is a true tale that when Thor had heard... Wait. It was a true tale. 
It's a true tale that then he resolved to seek if he might bring about a meeting between himself and the Midgard serpent, which afterward came to pass. Now I think no one knows how to tell thee more truly concerning this journey of Thor's. All right. Um, that's the end of the story, right? Yeah. So I liked that story. Because, you know, Thor is very strong. And in all of these things that he lost, it wasn't because he wasn't strong. It was because he was being, you know, tricked through magic and guile. And not to say Thor's dumb, because he's not. But, you know, his weakness sometimes is to be tricked. Because you're never going to defeat him with brute strength. Even when he falls fighting the Midgard Serpent, it's because of the poison that the Serpent spits at him. So, you know, Thor's always going to win the brute force fight. And he still defeated the Midgard Serpent, so... He did, yes, exactly, yes. Thank thank you for mentioning that. He did still defeat the Midgard Serpent. He just died afterwards. And if it were a contest, he defeated it and then he died. So I feel like he'd still win. Um, but yeah, I think I like this story because it just says um, how strong how strong Thor really is. Um, but then also, I mean, you see this place. I, I'm trying to think of other places that Utgard Loki really comes up. I'm not sure. Uh, but, you know, he's a formidable opponent, too, because he's obviously devious and unha- underhanded, and he uses these, like, tricky ways to um, not get hurt. It's also interesting that we see Loki here squarely on the side of the gods, which, again, reminds us that Loki wasn't always evil, You know, he used to be a trickster god. He used to be on the side of the gods. But then, you know, he betrayed them, and that's why, you know, he's not anymore. Um, And yet, and yet, uh, I recall something I had mentioned when we had recorded this previously. Yeah. Uh, So, Loki comes into the place, and they ask him, hey, what could you do? He's like, well, I can out-eat anybody. Because he's hungry. They they had their provisions taken. So he's like, yeah, I could totally eat right now. <laughs> well, there could have been ulterior motives. That's true. There often are with Loki. Yeah. Even in the beginning, you know, he often has ulterior motives. And a lot of times his motives are not for the good of the gods. They're just like, he wants to play a joke. Mm-hmm. But he gets along with the gods well enough. It's only after he betrays them by killing Balder, that he's like truly brandished an enemy of the gods. And there's a lot of these stories where Loki is a traveling companion to other gods. And you know, he is fighting alongside them just as much as anybody else. And I like that because it shows that, you know, he's a complex character. It's not simply he's like this created bad guy who's just like the force of evil or something along those lines it's like he's somebody who actually was once good enough you know on the side of the gods but then you know he betrayed them and now he's not you know just like with real people real people there's 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 very few evil people in the world i mean there might be a few you know i'm not gonna say there's not but most people in the world aren't evil they just do something they're just drawn that way. Sorry. They're just drawn that way? 
it's it's a line from a dumb movie don't don't mind <laughs> oh, okay me. okay um but yeah it's, it's, people are complex and i think it makes sense that the gods would also be complex individuals they're not going to be these like simplistic caricatures of what people on earth are where you have obviously good and obviously evil there's going to be these gray areas and i think oh loki is i mean he's very much an enemy of the gods and very much somebody that i never would deal with and nobody else should either because you know again he's an enemy of the gods but he's still a complex character and i think this is another story that shows that well because he really doesn't do anything bad he really does travel with thor and he's basically a good character here um but obviously we know what happens to him and he doesn't stay that way because he's a complex character because he's a real individual so i like bringing that up um what else does this story say if anything that uh, thor tends to surround himself with people who can get stuff done yeah that's a good point um yeah, he's got a lot of really good traveling companions here. Uh, yeah. And he's always journeying, because there's, there's many a tale when he's going out or coming back from a journey. That's true. The gods end up traveling a whole awful lot. Um, I think Him and Odin the most, I think. Yes. I would say that him and Odin the most. Uh, and I think the reasons are probably different. Odin's journeying is, you know, ultimately for understanding and knowledge, generally speaking. Thor's journeying, uh, in a large part, is practical. You know, a lot of the times he's out there, like, killing giants, you know, protecting his folk. So that's a good reason to journey for a forth to like protect your folk and stuff like that it seems like you he usually has some destination or the other in mind like this story i don't think it said his exact destination but it seemed like he was headed somewhere and this came up along the way i um, think he was heading to uh shoot the land of the giants uh jotunheim jotunheim yeah was he okay that makes yeah. sense because he goes there a lot to mm-hmm. fight the giants i feel like his traveling is more to protect the as generally speaking to like protect the folk whereas odin's traveling is generally speaking to like gain knowledge and understand the world more fully which or is whatever. which is to in the end protect the folk <laughs> it is ultimate that is true it is ultimately to protect the folk in the end because he needs to know all these different things um so yeah they're kind of both the end goal is the same with both of them i think Mm -hmm. to protect the folk um but yeah i think it sort of like gets at how important it is to travel you know maybe not literally travel like we should all quit our jobs and tour europe but how important it is to like go outside of yourself and do things beyond who you are um and, I, you know, it's weird because our ancestors did actually travel a lot. Like, physically, they traveled long distances. And there is a lot of world to be discovered back in the day, too. Now, there's still plenty of world to be discovered and plenty of new experiences to have and new things to find. We do kind of know 
the basic outline of the world, though. There's not actually new lands to discover. I guess space. That's the final frontier. Um, <laughs> uh, I know. I, f- I feel like that's where we go next. But, you know, we're not we're not there yet. Um, but travel seemed to be really important to our ancestors. You know, they're famous that, like, uh, for their ships, which were, like, easily the fastest of the times. They got all the way to America. They called it New Vindland. Um, who was it? Eric Starad was one of the first. And they were really big travelers. They wanted to see the world uh, that was around them. I don't know why that was so important just to look, like, beyond yourself, but it was. Well, and- it could be just a part of, you know, your... You're in the culture. You're, these are the stories you're told. You're going to act like your gods do. Yeah, that's true. So I wonder, and I mean, it's kind of worked out pretty well um, for those people. They they found a lot of things that, you know, if they had been homebodies, so to speak, they wouldn't have. You know, the Vikings and the people before them and everything else and the people after them, you know, they discovered a, a lot of and set up a lot of trade because there was yes. trade with the Middle East even yeah they set up a lot of trade and then like the ancestors of those people going on were also very much travelers and that's something that's I think really strong about humanity that we have this desire to explore the world and and you know we've pretty much done it now we've explored the world and where does that desire take us next I hope it's to space um, under the ocean deep undersea yeah I mean that's good too <laughs> you just like space I do like space I I guess under the sea would be pretty cool too I like that that scares me <laughs> I know I can't swim but also I can't breathe in space so I suppose that's kind of the same man you, you die the same swim. way how can you not swim? Well, I, I can't swim well. Okay. So if I was like a thousand, well, actually, if anyone's a thousand feet under the water, <laughs> yeah, I'm not making it to the surface. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. I wouldn't really want to swim in the middle of the ocean. I don't think No, I there's could. things down there that we don't know. That's why it's interesting to explore. It would be interesting to explore. You're right. I think, I think I'd be more scared deep under the ocean than in space. Yeah, in space you could see around you. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I mean, there wouldn't be... I don't know. Because, I mean, it'd be pretty dark in space, too. Just like it is under the ocean. So, I, mean, I mean, there's it might a lot be of dark. parallels. As long as we're within the solar system, we're probably, probably pretty good for light. Oh, in the solar the system, true. Yeah, if you go beyond that, it can get kind of dark and dim. Yeah. But, I mean, you're probably not going to run into, like, monsters. There's things alive under the sea. Yeah, you never know. There, there could, could be life out there. Ah, that's true. There could be life in space. I mean, there probably is. Probably not in the solar system beyond humanity. But uh, uh, in the I other think they animals. may have... I think Europa may have something. They're not entirely sure, but it kind of looks like it. I don't know. Uh, uh, maybe. I guess I shouldn't say no. I shouldn't be such a skeptic. Um, anyway. It's fine. <laughs> I, I, regardless of where we explore next, I really like the fact that humanity in general sort of has this like desire to go beyond themselves and explore beyond themselves. Um, 
And yeah, I guess if you think about it, it sort of has some of the same reasons too. Because Odin, right, explores and goes to these other worlds to ultimately protect the folk because he learns about what's out there and then can protect us against that, like the giants or whatever. And Thor is similar. He goes out and he kills the giants and then he can protect us against the the giants. You know, he's going out and slaying them so they can't kill us. And sort of the same way that we are exploring, we can't live in the same place forever. If you if you want to go with like a long term, how's humanity going to survive? Look of things, uh, we can't stay on Earth forever because our sun's going to explode, and then we'll all die. So you sort of have to like get out into the solar system and explore things and yeah, find another habitable y- planet to live on when the sun explodes. But also, all things end. Even humanity will end. That's true. Do we do we go beyond this planet, or do we just remain here? That's a good question, because, like, Ragnarok's going to happen, right? When, basically, I mean, I think, all the worlds are going to collapse. Is that going to happen? Is that going to, like, correspond with, with what? Before the sun explodes, and humanity at large oh, dies? It's just the... It's or the will death it be of, the heat death of the universe? It's the death of the human mind. So when there are no humans, that is the end. Yeah, well, when's that happen? It could it could easily happen when the Earth explodes. That's a gr- yeah. or the uh, sun explodes. That's a great time for it to happen. But, it could happen tomorrow, though. But it's it could happen tomorrow. Nuclear war. It could happen tomorrow. I mean, there's some theories by people. I don't do the whole end of the world thing. That's like, oh well, look. It's an allegory for nuclear war. And I was like, it's not, but okay. Or an asteroid's coming, who knows? Or an asteroid's coming, yeah. But it could just as easily be the heat death of the universe. Good. And then, you know, we go to the next universe. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know how far we will continue exploring. We've explored a lot. Are we going to go beyond Earth? That's just something that I think is interesting. I don't think you can look to your religion and get an answer to that question. Um, I don't think there's an answer to that question. I mean, we don't know. Well, you either do or you don't. <laughs> Wait, what? You either leave, yeah, like oh, yeah, yeah, or yeah. you don't. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we're, we're making tentative te- steps towards yeah. it, but I don't think until we, we know. make a permanent colony yeah. somewhere, you know, we don't it's, know. It's no. We don't know the answer to that. Will we ever colonize something beyond our planet? We don't know the answer to that. And anybody who says that they can look to their religion and tell you the answer is probably a crazy person. And anybody who says the world's going to end because their religion says so is definitely a crazy person. Yeah, but Ragnarok's going to happen, so the world's going to end, right? Well, if anybody says they know when the world is going to end. Okay. Yeah, yeah, every religion has an end of the world scenario. Probably because the world's going to end. But anyone who says, I know the exact date that the world is going to end, is probably a crazy person. Well, I mean, of course they there's have going all to be an wrong. ending because there was a beginning. Yeah, things It's cyclical. All things end because they begin and vice versa. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, our story and you know, not, it's, we don't have a monopoly on this. All religions have a Genesis story and a end of the world story. And a lot of them are cyclical and I, you know, that's what I think is going to happen. But yeah, the world's going to end, but when you start having these people predicting 
that, oh, well, the 50s was this age, so now we're in that age. It's like, well, uh, this war was the wolf age, so now we're in the wind age, which means the world's about to end. I just, I just don't, I don't know if that's productive. <laughs> I just don't know. I feel like you could do something better with your time. There's a lot of anime to watch, so stop yeah. predicting the end of the world. And yeah, do but something there's, fun. there's money to be made on fear mongering, so well, people do it. Well, that's a problem. And that, that takes us down a very different road, which is interesting, but outside the scope of this particular podcast. So oh, okay. <laughs> We'll skip it for now, but that's <laughs> a good point. Um, so this is a really, I don't know how long we've been going. It's probably an hour, but also this is a really good place to stop because the story's over. So next time we will start on uh, 48. 48. XLVIII. I think that, that may or may not be 48. Wheels on a big rig. Oh, wait, sorry. A different thing. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's where we will start next time. So my final thoughts are this story, the whole Utgard-Loki story, it is just such a classic story. I, everybody, Anyone who hasn't read it, read it. Find it in a couple places if this is hard to follow along. Find it somewhere else where it's maybe told a little bit differently. Read this story because it's really good. And don't, your first time, don't analyze it. Just read it because it's literally a good story outside of whatever meaning is behind it it's just a fun story um so i just think this is a really great story that everyone should be familiar with so so give it a read if you haven't already uh final thoughts uh you know it's good to see the mythology being played with because here we are he's being tricked but it's also playing into hey there's old age obviously we got the uh, the Midgard Serpent over here, which, you know, is a destined meeting between the two, and it, it's just interesting. And then you put in the tides with it just to kind of emphasize Thor's strength even further. It's, it's a good story. However, I did want to mention next time we will start at least a little bit of Thor Goes Efficient. <laughs> okay. Uh, I love that story. That's one of my favorites. So that's something to look forward to. Hopefully that'll be next month, unless, you know, I get busy or distracted or forget to record one of these until the last minute. Uh, is Thor Goes Fishing next? Uh, it is at uh, least love this touched one. on. Awesome. Okay, we'll have to mention that. We'll, we'll see how far they go into it. That's a good one. Okay. All right, well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um... Yeah, thank you everyone for listening. If you uh, wanted to check out my website, please do that. And you can find that at hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F.org. You can send the email to me at hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com and subscribe to the RSS because we're a monthly podcast and a lot of times I forget to publish it on the first of the month. So it's nice to just subscribe and have it come to you. Uh, as soon as it's published every month. Uh, and you can find the RSS on the podcast page at my website. Also, please remember to check out Steve's page on Amazon, Stephen Oaks. Um, well, what's your book you're pushing right now? Uh, the latest book right now is You Must Be Drunk to right. read this book. No, you just must be drunk. Read this book. <laughs> All right, so look that up. There will be links in the show notes. Check that out. And uh, that's it. So thank you, everyone. And we will see you all next month for hell.
Frau Hale.